chapter fifty two of discourses on the first decade of titus livius book one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org recording by hypatia discourses on the first decade of titus livius book one by niccolo machiavelli translated by ninian hill thompson chapter fifty two that to check the arrogance of a citizen who is growing too powerful in a state there is no safer method or less open to objection than to forestall him in those ways whereby he seeks to advance himself it has been seen in the preceding chapter how much credit the nobles gained with the commons by a show of goodwill towards them not only in providing for their military pay but also in adjusting taxation had the senate constantly adhered to methods like these they would have put an end to all disturbances in rome and have deprived the tribunes of the credit they had with the people and of the influence thence arising for in truth in a commonwealth and especially in one which has become corrupted there is no better or easier or less objectionable way of opposing the ambition of any citizen than to anticipate him in those paths by which he is seen to be advancing to the ends he has in view this plan had it been followed by the enemies of cosimo de medici would have proved a far more useful course for them than to banish him from florence since if those citizens who opposed him had adopted his methods for gaining over the people they would have succeeded without violence or tumult in taking his most effective weapon from his hands the influence acquired in florence by piero soderini was entirely due to his skill in securing the affections of the people since in this way he obtained among them a name for loving the liberties of the commonwealth and truly for those citizens who envied his greatness it would have been both easier and more honourable and at the same time far less dangerous and hurtful to the state to forestall him in those measures by which he was growing powerful than to oppose him in such a manner that his overthrow must bring with it the ruin of the entire republic for had they as they might easily have done deprived him of the weapons which made him formidable they would have then withstood him in all the councils and in all public deliberations without either being suspected or feared and should any rejoin that if the citizens who hated piero soderina committed an error in not being beforehand with him in those ways whereby he came to have influence with the people piero himself erred in like manner in not anticipating his enemies in those methods whereby they grew formidable to him i answer that piero is to be excused both because it would have been difficult for him to have so acted and because for him such a course would not have been honourable for the paths wherein his danger lay were those which favoured the medici and it was by these that his enemies attacked him and in the end overthrew him but these paths piero could not pursue without dishonour since he could not if he was to preserve his fair fame have joined in destroying that liberty which he had been put forward to defend moreover since favours to the medician party could not have been rendered secretly and once for all they would have been most dangerous for piero who had he shown himself friendly to the medici must have become suspected and hated by the people in which case his enemies would have had still better opportunities than before for his destruction men ought therefore to look to the risks and dangers of any course which lies before them nor engage in it when it is plain that the dangers outweigh the advantages even though they be advised by others that it is the most expedient way to take should they act otherwise 
it will fare with them as with Tullius, who in seeking to diminish the power of Marcus Antonius, added to it. For Antonius, who had been declared an enemy by the Senate, having got together a strong force, mostly made up of veterans who had shared the fortunes of Caesar, Tullius counselled the Senate to invest Octavianus with full authority, and to send him against Antonius with the consuls and the army, affirming that so soon as those veterans who had served with Caesar saw the face of him, who was Caesar's nephew, and had assumed his name, they would rally to his side and desert Antonius, who might easily be crushed when thus left bare of support. But the reverse of all this happened, for Antonius persuaded Octavianus to take part with him and to throw over Tullius and the Senate, and this brought about the ruin of the Senate, a result which might easily have been foreseen, for remembering the influence of that great captain, who, after overthrowing all opponents, had seized on sovereign power in Rome, the Senate should have turned a deaf ear to the persuasions of Tullius, nor ever have believed it possible that from Caesar's heir, or from soldiers who had followed Caesar, they could look for anything that consisted with the name of freedom. End of chapter 52